As I said a moment ago, we are continuing our series entitled Sold Out. We've been talking about being sold out as a Christian, what that really means to be sold out for Jesus. It doesn't mean that we are somehow freakish. It doesn't mean that uh, being sold out to Jesus doesn't mean that you have to be weird or you have to be one of those people to just kind of, uh, kind of force people to not be around you. But we, talk, we talked about that the fact of being sold out to Jesus is just the way that we live. We are totally committed to the things of God. And so in week one, we talked about authentic discipleship. And we talked about what it really means to be a, a disciple of Jesus Christ. As the Bible says uh, over and over again in the, in the Gospels, Jesus says, if any man want to be my disciple, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. So we understand that that is a foundational principle as it relates to discipleship. You cannot be a disciple until you're first willing to give the entirety of your life over to him. Doesn't mean that you're perfect, but it means that you're attaining to be more like Christ. And in week two, we talked about letting it go. We talked about those things that get in the way of our becoming fully what God wants us to be. We are all struggling with things and the devil is always tempting us to try and, and, and to lure us into holding on to, the, to things that are, that are really contrary to the way God wants us to live. And so we, we talked about some things with regard to that. Everybody's struggle is different. But we, we particularly, we highlighted uh, the rich young ruler, how that Jesus asked him to be a disciple, how he came to Jesus all excited and said, Lord, you know, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And then Jesus began to explain it to him. And uh, he felt like that he, he had met all the requirements until Jesus said, let go of your money. And when Jesus said, let go of your money, that disciple walked away, i.e. saying that he couldn't let it go. And because he couldn't let it go, Jesus could not be his Lord because his money was his Lord. And so we talked about that last week in detail. Uh, you can look at our YouTube channel. You can go up on our website. You can look at that if you want to uh, catch up. And today we're going to continue with our series, Sold Out. I want to talk about embracing a Christian worldview. Embracing a Christian worldview. Everybody say that with me. Y'all ready? Embracing a... Everybody. Y'all ready? Embracing a Christian world view. This is extremely important as it relates to being a disciple of Jesus. Every one of us have a world view. We all have biases and presuppositions that determine how we view life and how we make decisions in life. A world view is like a set of lenses that kind of taints and alter the way that we see life around us. And our worldview is shaped by a number of things. It's shaped by our education, the way we were educated. Our worldview is shaped by our upbringing, how we were taught our traditions. Many of us have certain traditions and ways that we were brought up that help shape how we make decisions along the way in life. Then our culture, I think that's a big one, right? Our culture uh, that we live in helped to shape our worldview. The books that we read. The magazines that we read, the media, the movies that we watch, the music that we listen to. How many know that every one of those items, they are pushing some kind of uh, a, a, a view, uh, a world view, if you will. 
Now, why does a worldview matters to a disciple of Jesus Christ? Why does it matter? I'll tell you why it matters. Because it's the foundation of your values, and your values shape your actions. Let me say that again. The worldview matters. In other words, how you see the world, okay, how you view the world will determine how you make decisions for the rest of your life. Before we became Christians, we all had a worldview that wasn't based in the Bible. It was driven by what we were taught. It was driven by uh, our upbringing, like we said. It was driven by a whole lot of things, but it wasn't driven by Christ. Jesus said something that is very powerful, a very small verse, but it's very significant. Jesus said that my kingdom is not of this world. He says, my kingdom is not of this world. And what Jesus was in essence, what he was really saying is, is that, that I have a whole entire different worldview that is very different than the world that I am currently in. That's what Jesus was saying. Jesus was saying basically that he marches to an entire different drumbeat. That's why he says, my kingdom, every kingdom has a set of rules and had a set of values. Jesus says, my kingdom, the way I think, the way I act, and the way I make decisions is not based out of this world. That's significant. And as a consequence, you as a believer, your kingdom is not of this world either. If you identify with Jesus, you are a part of the same kingdom that he's a part of, the same kingdom that he promotes. Our job is to then to promote and to preach and to share and to proclaim, watch this, and to live out the principles of the kingdom of God. Those values of the kingdom are vastly different than the values of the world. One of the things I, I think is important to say is that I think Christians sometimes, I'm going to put that in parentheses, Christians sometimes get in trouble um, because we want to try to combine the two worlds. In other words, uh, the worldview that is without Christ, and then we want to try to, uh, you know, to, to combine our, our Christian experience or you know, however significant it is, we want to try to com combine the two. And the problem with that is, that's a problem. Because Jesus says that the, kingdom, that, that, that the kingdom of this world has absolutely nothing in him. So what happens is, sometimes we as believers or are, are trying to become a believer, we want to try to combine the two worlds. And here's what I mean by that. We say, okay, I, I want to keep, I, I, I want to kind of, I, I like this part of the Bible. Uh, that part that says to love the poor, I really like that part. But the part of the Bible that kind of talks about uh, morality and how I ought to, my relationships, I kind of, I, I put that on the back shelf. But this part of the Bible I like, then, okay, then this part of the world, hmm, I really like this part of the world. Uh, but this part of the Bible, it talks about loving your enemies. Oh, no, I, that, that, that part, I, I put that on the shelf. No, I'm going to beat my enemies. If my enemies hit me, I'm going to hit them back. Uh, no. That, so what we do is we pick and choose. And then thereby, here's what we're doing. We are combining the two worlds, and in essence, we come up with our own worldview. And that view is not a view that is based in Christianity. Remember, Jesus says that if you want to be my disciple, my wife said it earlier, you have to be willing to give up everything. And what that simply means is Jesus is not going to entertain the idea of we can be in both worlds. You're either hot or you're cold. You're either in or you're out. See? So you got to make a decision. And so if you're one of those persons who is saying, and watch it, are you still listening? Say amen to me. Now, if you're one of those persons, you're sitting here today, you say, well, pastor, 
I believe I embrace some of the things that Jesus talked about, but then some other stuff that he, he talks about, I don't, I, I don't subscribe to it. I, I just don't believe it. Or I don't want to follow it. Then here's what I would say to you. You are still in the valley of decision. You have not yet made a decision to be a Christian yet. If, if you read this book and you're saying that the parts that you like and parts you don't like or this part that, that, that you're going to subscribe to and other parts that you're not, then you are what I call you are still in the valley of decision. You haven't made a decision yet. You, you are still at a place where you're still trying to decide because Jesus said, if you want to be my disciple, you got to give up everything. That means that doesn't mean that we're perfect. There are none of those. But what it means is that we are committed. And even though I may be struggling in my own life to live out those values and principles, here's the key. I agree with God 100%. Are y'all hearing me? So my agreement is with Scripture. The Scripture always, watch this, the Scripture, we'll talk about the Scripture here in a moment, but the Word of God always trumps my own feelings, my own ideology, my own philosophy. We all have that, right? But the word of God trumps it. His worldview, the way he sees things. And that's why I always struggle with people because I tell people all the time, even if you're uncomfortable saying something, if you don't want to just say it and identify with it, the least you can say is, well, look, the Bible says this. <laughs> the Bible says this, and therefore, I'm a Christian, so I got to go with the Bible. That's what it means to embrace a Christian worldview. Now, understand, I'm still talking to you, but, but understand that, that when you embrace a Christian worldview, that you place yourself in opposition right from the beginning. Most of the people that you work with will not like you. They won't like what you have to say about morality. They won't like what you have to say about giving Jesus, giving them everything. They don't like that kind of language. So you're putting yourself, you say, well, Lord, I'm, I'm going to become a Christian. What you're in essence doing is you're putting yourself in a place where you're in opposition to the world. And the world is in opposition to you. Because you've made a decision to follow Christ and to identify with his world view. And as I said a moment ago, if Christ is Lord, then you embrace his way of thinking. So to be sold out, this is important, to be sold out is to fully embrace a Christian worldview above all others, right? You can't be sold out to Jesus and you don't embrace. You don't have a Christian worldview. You can't be, it's impossible to be sold out to Jesus. Now, Let's kind of define what a biblical or Christian worldview is. I think this is important. It is a set of values and belief systems that are based on the Bible, the Word of God. The Bible and these belief systems originate from God the Father through his Son, Jesus Christ. Now watch this. It is the lens in which we view the world, watch this, and make all of our decisions. Everybody say all. We make all of our decisions through the lens of the Bible. Hmm. Outside of or before Christ, our worldview was based on a worldly system. A system not based in biblical Christianity. But accepting Christianity or becoming a believer in Jesus 
means that you are rejecting the world's view of life, its origin, its, and how they define salvation. Because, see, the world defines salvation like this. If I do enough good things, then I can, I can get my way into heaven. You ever got friends you ever talk to? And, and, and you talk to them, you, you, you try to explain them why they need Christ, and they say to you, well, I'm, I'm good. You know, I don't, I don't steal, I don't cheat, I don't kill, I don't rob, I don't do A, B, and C. Therefore, I'm going to go to heaven. The problem is Jesus says that the only way you're going to get to heaven is you got to believe in him. He's the only way to get to heaven. You can't get to heaven by working your way in. That's a worldly view of salvation. You and I are tasked with the responsibility to communicate more precisely how to become a disciple of Jesus Christ, which is then rooted in our absolute and total surrender to the book. In essence, we're surrendering to him. So, accepting Christianity or becoming a believer means that you are rejecting the world's view, its origin, its view of salvation, and other views that contradict the word of God. Everybody say the Bible. Say the Bible. This is an important book. Now, you've been here at any length of time. We talk an awful lot about the Bible. We're not one of those churches that just kind of talk. We put the Bible down to the side, and we go into our own little thing. Uh, we, we preach the word of God here. Amen? Uh, we, just, we just preach the word. Now, I want you to understand something about this book. Because if you're not careful, you will look at this book as just a compilation of, of information over a period of time that perhaps doesn't really relate to all aspects of your life today. That is one of the lies of the devil. The devil is saying that this book is outdated. This book doesn't really relate to you. What it meant back then, different time, therefore we got to adjust with the times. How many of you have heard that? How many of you have heard that? Not true. God's the same today, yesterday, and forever. We're always changing, but he changes not. Now, so the Bible then, watch this, God has an opinion about government. Because I want to say this, that the Bible is our blueprint for living. All right? The word of God has something to say about the whole of life. God has an opinion about government and, poli and, and the politician who run governments. God has an opinion about economics and trade, believe it or not. God has an opinion a worldview about justice, both social and criminal. God has an opinion about education. God has an opinion about raising your children. God has an opinion about caring for senior citizens. God has an opinion about money and investments. God has an opinion about sex. God has an opinion about entertainment. <laughs> God even has an opinion about how to eat, how to drink, and how to dress. What part of life did not cover? In other words, all of those things that I just mentioned, you can find answers about all of them right here in the Bible. And so I tell people all the time, they talk about one of the things that, that people struggle with, you know, that, but did you do your devotion today? Devotions is important. But, you know, devotions doesn't really do a lot for you if it somehow doesn't translate into a life change. You follow me? So watch this. So when you read the Bible, when you're studying, you're studying to try to figure out how to make decisions, how to live your life. So if, I, if I'm running a decision, if me and my wife are not getting along, for an example, all right, then what I'm going to do is I'm going to go to the Word of God and see that it doesn't say anything about yelling and screaming at my wife. Write about it. If there's a problem with my children, I have a struggle, then I need to go, what does the word of God say about raising kids? 
right? What does the word of God say about how do I use? I'm going to go. And I, I'm going to. What does the word of God say about my ungodly boss that I just hate? Anybody got any bosses that you don't like? Mm. But you know the Bible even tells you how to communicate with your boss. In other words, there's a there's a biblical worldview that addresses all those issues. But you got to search the scriptures to find them. That's what being a disciple means. Being a disciple means that I'm going to take the word of God, I'm going to search the scriptures, and I'm going to apply the word. Now, the word of God has no power unless it's exercised, right? So if you're just reading the word of God, if you come in this church and you sit here and you just get information and you're looking for revelation, but you're not obeying what you're hearing, it's not changing your life, then all you're doing is is storing up information, but nothing is really happening. And after a while, that kind of Christianity will, will bore you. It will get old. Trust me, you will start looking for other things. Then I'm talking about the word of God. And this is important because I, I held up to you a moment ago this word. Matthew 24, 35 says this, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. Now listen to that. Heaven and earth, think about it. Heaven and earth will pass away, but God's word will never pass away. In other words, watch this, the word will outlast opinions. The word are going to outlast prejudice and hate. The word is going to outlast the lust and the illegal desire for money the world is going to the word is going to to outlast the attacks that people bring against the bible and the word the word is going to outlast beliefs and systems that opposes the bible this this is the wonderful thing about this church i want you to get this that the word of God is going to outlast everything that, you, that, that you're being pressured about doing. The word of God, at the end of the day, heaven and earth is going to pass away, but the word of God is going to remain. God is going to, if you stay with God, you will ultimately be vindicated. Because how many know God is true? His word is true. The Bible says, Psalm 119.89, it says, forever, O Lord... Your word is settled in heaven. Why am I talking so much about the word? Because you're going to get you're going to gather your Christian worldview from the study of the word of God. So I want you to have a whole lot of confidence in this book. I want you to have a lot of confidence in this book. It says in 2 Timothy uh, 2.15, Paul talking to a young pastor named Timothy. He says to him, here's what I want you to do. I want you to study to show yourself approved to God, a workman that needs not to be ashamed, rightly handling or dividing the word of truth. Now, I hate to say this, and this may be offensive to some of you who are sitting here, or maybe some who are listening, but, but biblical illiteracy is a big problem in the church today. That too many of God's people would rather come to church, sit, and just let the preacher tell them how to do and what to do, and they never, ever crack this book open themselves and learn. You will never be a true disciple of Jesus until you learn how to read this book and study it for yourself. See, if a good pastor, a good leader, all he's going to do is lead you back to the book. If it's not leading you back to the book, they're not a good preacher. I don't care who they are. I don't care how charismatic they are. I don't care how smart they are. I don't care what their gifts are. I don't care what their resources are. If they're not leading you back to the book, it doesn't matter. If they're just giving you a bunch of opinions, it doesn't matter. So we're called to study. Why do I need to study? I need to study so I can gather, gather a Christian worldview. I need to understand how does Jesus see the world? 
How does, what does Jesus think about this? You know, every, anybody ever wore those braces, WWJD, what would Jesus do? That's a wonderful question. But ask that question not just to, to answer it, but ask the question in a way to suggest that whatever he do, I will follow along, I will do likewise. That's what he's wanting us to do. Psalm 119.11 says, Your word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against God. Keeping God's word in your heart, reading it, keeping it before you will help you, it'll keep you, it'll help you to live right. It will help you, help you to live a right life. But it says in Psalm 1-2, talking about the man of God, the woman of God, but his delight is in the law of the Lord and in his law, he is always in this law day and night. I want y'all to get this. This is not, when y'all hear me saying this all the time, this is not just something that I just say because it's cute. In the word, day and night. In other words, he's always thinking about the word. In fact, you remember Joshua, right? He told Joshua, he said, Joshua, you're going to lead the people into the land of promise. But here's what you do, Joshua. If you're going to do it, you got to meditate in this Bible day and night. Night and day. Why? Because you need to follow me. You, under, you need to understand my way of thinking because God's blessing, watch this, God's anointing, if you will, God's blessing, if you will, God's favor, if you will, is based upon his word. How many know that God will never violate the integrity of his own word? So watch this. So if we want to be blessed, how many of you want to be blessed? Raise your hand. Then we got to get, watch this. Then we got to get, we got to get in sync with this book. This book is the key to blessing. Boy, I just want to, I just want to pastor a people that are hungry for the word of God. A people that just don't take what people say, but they actually sit down and say, like the Bereans. Paul talked about the Bereans. He said, man, the Bereans were people that, that they didn't just, just listen to what the Apostle Paul said. But soon after Paul, Apostle Paul said it, they would sit down right after that joker left. And they would say, let me go back and look and see what he, if what he said was accurate. I invite you to do that with me. You should do that. So why should, we embrace, why should we embrace a Christian worldview? Number one, we belong to Christ. I think that goes without saying. The Bible says, for you were brought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which I got. You don't belong to yourself. Well, I love me. That's okay to love you. But just know that you don't belong to yourself. You were purchased with the blood of Jesus. So in other words, your own body, that's why the Bible says your body is a temple of the Holy Ghost. Don't take your bodies into places of whoredoms. Don't take the parts of your body and do things that are unbiblical because as a Christian, your body don't belong to you. It belongs to God. You have, watch this, the only jurisdiction you have over your body is to discipline it and to make sure it follows a Christian world view, God's way of thinking. Another reason why we should embrace a Christian worldview is because the world is fleeting, the world is passing away. Watch this. Mm, I don't even know if I should say this. But, you know, some of the music that we like to listen to, some of the things, some of the stuff we like to watch and all The world is passing away. I want y'all to get that in your spirit. You know when something is dying, you know, what it, you know when it's dying, when it's passed away, it's on the way what? It's on the way, come on, out. Right? The world, meaning, watch this, this world system, that's what he's saying. The world system and everything in it is passing away, it says in 2 Peter 3.10. But the day of the Lord would come as a thief in the night, 
in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. Look at that. Wow. So for some of our young people, you are just infatuated. You are in love and you just got to have this and got to have that. And then, and then how many know the devil targets young people? Why the devil targets young people? Because they're the standard bearers. They're the one to take it to the next generation. Any company, any business, any church, doesn't matter. They are always targeting young people because they're the standard bearers. They're the one that's going to take it to the next level. So it's no wonder that the devil is always coming after the youth. And you want to try to impress the youth in such a way to say that this way of thinking, this way of doing is the right way. And it, yeah, and it not only make you feel good, but it's right. And boy, that is the biggest trick of the devil. Man, is it the deception that he does? That's why the Bible says, love the world. He said, don't love the world. It says in uh, second, uh, 1 John 2.15 says, do not love the world or the things that are in the world. Don't love the world or the things that are in the world. The love of the Father is not in him, if he does. For all that is in the world is the lust of the flesh. Look at that. The lust of the flesh. What my flesh wants. The lust of the eyes. The pride of life. He said, this is not of the Father, but it's of this world system. And the world is passing away, dying, and the lust of it, all the immorality, all the sexual sins, all the, 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 the white-collar crimes, all the street-level crimes, all the wars, and all of that, the world is passing away. It is on the way out. Don't embrace the world's view because the world, you know, how many of you will walk inside of a house if the house is on fire and burning? And chill out there. Come on. How many of you would do that? In your right mind, you wouldn't go inside of a house. The house is on fire. You wouldn't walk in there and say, I'm going to go sit down in here and have me a cup of tea. You'd be like, oh, stay away. How many the world is on fire. The world and this system is passing away. The only thing that's going to last is Jesus Christ. Another reason why we need to embrace a Christian worldview is, here's, this is, this is simple. Been there, done that. <laughs> How do you know what I'm talking about? You, you've been there, done that, man. You, you live there. You know what it's like. I, I surmise that most of us who are believers in this room, that you became a Christian because whatever you were doing before you became a Christian, you realized you needed help. Does anybody want to raise a hand in it? <laughs> I'll be the first. I mean, I realized that whatever I was doing back there, it didn't work. It don't work. It left me empty. It, was, it left me. It was deception. It, it didn't feed me. No. I've been there, done that. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 3 says this, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just like everybody else. He said, this is who we were before we became to Christ. He said, this is, this is what we did. This is how we lived. This is how we made a decision. This was a worldview that we had. We were just like everybody else. But now I've been called out of that. I've been called into Christianity. And now having been called into Christianity, nobody tells you this stuff, right? People get saved every day, come to the altar, and nobody ever sets them down and say, you need to be milk. You need some milk. You need to sit down and let me feed you this. What I'm teaching today is really fundamental stuff in Christianity. And there's a lot of people who've been saved for years, they've never heard this kind of preaching. About dying to yourself. All you hear is, you know, 
God's grace, God's love, he loves you no matter what. And all that's true. God do love you. Y'all do know that, right? But how do you know that there's a higher place in discipleship? There's a higher place that God wants to take us than just that. So, so then how do we then fashion this, um, this Christian worldview? How do we just, how do we appropriate how to embrace a worldview, a Christian worldview, while we're inside of a world that every single day is pulling in an opposite direction? That's the a, that's a challenge, right? Everything around you is pulling you away from Christianity. Everything. The media, the music. Parents, you better every now and then, do me a favor, I do it with my kids. Pull this, walk up on your kids. When they got their headphones on, walking through the house, walk up on them and just take their headphone and take it and just, because my kids, they know I got, a, I got, I got um, unfeathered access to their phones. Do y'all know why I got unfeathered access to their phones? Did anybody want to guess? But you, you're such a smart gentleman. I pay for it. They know that too. And so at any moment, they know I can just walk right up to them and I can say, and they are required to give me their passcodes. Yeah. And so I would just walk right up, and I don't believe, no, 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 you know, but their kids, you need to let them have their own privacy. Oh, well, you have your own privacy when you buy your own house. I'm sorry, I don't live. That's crazy. That's foolishness. That's unbiblical. Really? Well, you want your No, no. You are called to raise up your children and to train them in the ways of God. That's your calling. That's your responsibility. It's not the school's responsibility. That's yours. So I walk up at any time. Their phone are subject to a, a search. And I'll just say, boom, what would you listen to? Now, why do I do that? Because some of the music that they listen to, some of the ideology, the, how many know it's pushing an agenda? It's pushing a worldview. Well, but pastor, there's no cussing in it. Look beyond that. It ain't just about cursing. It's about the substance of what's being said. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? Are, are anybody listening to me? Um, when I was in the world, <laughs> y'all don't even, you know, I'm still a human, but I was in the world back in the day. I, you know, I, I still like a lot of oldies songs. So one of my favorite oldies songs was, and I can't listen to it. Every time I try to listen to it, I can't listen to it because it's just wrong. It's, it's, anybody ever heard this song, uh, Me and Mrs. Jones? Y'all know? Me and Mrs., Mrs. Jones, Mrs. Jones, Mrs. Jones. We got a thing going. Sounds good. That makes good music, man, the beat. You know, a lot of people say, I don't listen to the song. I just listen to the beat. I'm going to tell you something. Jesus said, be careful what you hear. Because there's more coming than just that beat. That stuff will get ingrained in their spirit. I can't listen to me and Miss Jones because Miss Jones is promoting adultery. That's a worldview that I can't subscribe to. So why am I going to sit in my car and listen to me and Mrs. Jones and my kids sitting back rocking? We got a thing. What have I just done? What am I teaching my kids? Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? No, me and Mrs. Jones ain't got nothing going on in Jesus' name. I'm telling you. No. And I like the beats. That song, song, man, I just love the beats. Man, I like the beats. But if the, if the music and the world, because why? Be careful what you hear. Jesus said, be careful what you hear. Because it's, 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 it's not what, it's what goes into a man. That's what's going to defile a man. What, what you're putting in. Now, this is, now, some of you would say, well, pastor, that's being too strict. No, that's being, having a Christian worldview. I want to guard my, for as long as my children are under my roof, I'm going to do my part. Now, if they choose to live like 
fools. If they choose to go their own separate way, they, it won't be because I helped them. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? Is anybody, y'all, 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 y'all getting that? It won't be because I'm not going to help them because I'm, one day I'm going to have to stand before God. I'm going to have to give an account to God for how I raised my kids. I'm going to have to give an account to God for what I let them listen to. And, I, and God ain't going to listen to me and say, well, 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 you know, I understand, son. I know your kids didn't want to do it. You tried. No, no. No, he's going to say, dude, what did Abraham say? Abraham, said, one of the things God said concerning Abraham, he said, I know that Abraham will command his children to follow me. He will command his house. Joshua said, as for me and my house. Everybody say my house. Don't yeah, right. tell your kids. Me and my, as long as you live here, we're going to serve the Lord. That's just the way we do it. And if you don't like that, I, 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 I understand how you feel. I know there's a, there's a worldview that's pushing against what I'm saying. But in my house, we have a Christian worldview. And I'm not willing to sacrifice that in order to please you. Because then, in essence, you then become sort of a, a lord, a master over me. And how many know that Jesus is the only one that takes that place? So he says here in Romans chapter 12, and we're going to get ready to close. So in Romans chapter 12, he said, and we read this at the beginning. This is a wonderful, powerful verse. He says, I beg you to, therefore, brothers, by God's mercy, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is a reasonable service. Everybody say reasonable. <laughs> um, you know, sacrificing yourself every day on the cross, getting you, how many know when you're really walking with God, to some extent, you get beat up every day? <laughs> Y'all know what I mean? I mean, how many times during the course of a day, you're like, man, Lord, I did it again. God, forgive me. You're constantly up on that altar every day. Every day. He said, this is reasonable. He's just supposed to be a living sacrifice every single day. Watch this. He says, and, and do not be conformed to the world. Watch this. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So watch. So the call is to present your bodies a living sacrifice. That's the call. All right? The call is that I'm going to live for Jesus. I'm going to sacrifice. Sacrifice means that sometimes it's hurt. A sacrifice signifies that it's not easy. A sacrifice signifies that it's a challenge. It's a sacrifice. So he says, I'm calling you to present your bodies. Why? Because your body, watch this. Your body, it has an affinity for a worldview that is not a Christian worldview. That's why he's telling you to do it. He's saying because you have a natural bent. You have a natural desire to want to, to, want to flow in an in a ungodly view. You, you, you want to, uh, your flesh defaults to a world way of thinking. He said, therefore, every day you kill it. You got to kill it. That's what he's telling you to do. Christians are not perfect. We just die every day. We just die every day. And we hold each other accountable every day. He says, watch this. He said, I want you to produce a lifestyle that is holy and acceptable to God. That's what, that's what we're after. A lifestyle that is holy and acceptable to God. He said, now watch this. Don't be conformed to this world. Now stop right there. That's a big one. He's talking about the world, the world system, the world's way of thinking. In other words, watch this. Don't pursue the world's systems and the world's way of doing things. If Jesus says love your enemies, then you love your enemy. The world, the world says you hit back. You don't hit back. 
Jesus said, you have heard, it said. He said, but I say to you, love your enemy. He said, do good to those who mistreat you. In other words, that's, that's a Christian worldview. Don't conform to the world. Jesus is calling us to a higher place. He says, don't give in to the pressure to be like everybody else. Right? The pastor, everybody else is doing it. And I will look strange. I will look like a fool. You know, for me to be a, a, a virgin, that's like crazy. Nobody does that anymore. I have one parent told me one time, they don't teach their kids, they don't tell their kids, they just say, they just go buy their kids condoms. Now, I just said something. Some of you look at me like, Pastor, you said it. You, but you go out in the world. They can say condoms out there. You're you cool with it. But we can't talk about it in the church, and yet we got a church that's full of people that is committing sexual immorality. I've been saved for 27 years. I know what I'm talking about. I know exactly what I'm talking about. So what are we doing? Well, I'm, I'm going to get my kids a condom. I ain't going to buy you no condom. I'm going to tell you how to live. You're going to live right. <laughs> if you're going to go get a condom, go get it on your own. But I ain't, come on, somebody. Y'all, y'all, y'all hear what I'm saying? I, why, what do I look like uh, uh, saying one thing, but then granting you access to do uh, an act in a, in a way that is contrary to what God's words say? Yeah. Said, so don't be conformed. In other words, don't give in to it. Yeah, that, you want to get pressure? The pressure is going to be enormous. The pressure is going to be enormous. You got to follow the crowd. You got, you got to do this, man. You want to be a part of the group. You want to be a part of the gang. You want to make the money. You want that job. You really want that job. Then you got to do this. If you really want the job, you got to do some things. You got to, you know, if you want to. No. He says, don't do it. He said, don't, he said, don't do it. He said, don't conform to a a, a, a worldly view, but he says, he said, don't idolize anything. How many know that, that, how many know our kids shouldn't be idolizing anything except Christ, first and foremost? I like basketball. I love, I love players. I like sports. So y'all know I'm a sports guy. I'm a Dallas Cowboy to the, you know, if you cut me, I bleed blue. I mean, I'm just a Cowboy guy, you know, that's, you know, but the, but the reality of it is, is we, we don't idolize anything particularly anything that is not going to produce that's not going to produce the kind of righteousness that comes out of this book we're responsible for that he says how do we how are we going how are we going to be transformed he says you're going to be transformed by the renewing of your mind so here's how you do it so here's how it's going to happen the way that we're going to adopt a christian worldview is that our mind got to be renewed Right? So for some of you computer geeks out there, so what has to happen, you understand this, that, 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 that we need to take out the old hard drive and we need to instill a new one. Right? And, and, and this new hard drive is one that is wired after Christ. So the way that we develop a Christian worldview, the way that we, we walk in the things of God, the way that we embrace the view that God wants us to have is that we got to allow our minds to be renewed. We got to change the way we think. This is why it's important to have regular study in the word. Uh, you know, not just information, but regular study so that you can obey. If you're studying, can I give you some advice? So let's just say you're reading a book. You come across something that, that convicts you and it tells you you need to live this way. You need to do this. And you know you're not doing it. Then what you need to do is, before you go to the next one, why don't you just park there and keep reading that until it changes you. Yeah. Don't just keep reading. If you keep struggling with it, if you're not doing it, then every time you open a book, go right back to it. 
I'm going to park it because I ain't doing that yet. Well, well, you, you know, well, don't know the Lord does know I'm just human. Yeah, he, get, he, he knows you're human. That's why he gave you the book. <laughs> he said, yeah, you're human, but he said, obey this. He knows you're human, but he wouldn't. He, look, the, the, the fact that we're human do not uh, absolve us from our responsibility to follow through with this. So we got to stop making excuses. We're going to be true disciples, sold out for Jesus. We got to go all the way. We're going to do it by renewing our mind. I got to listen. I got to watch what I listen to, music, TV, uh, people. I got to start, like, putting things on. You know, and it's a wonderful thing. Nowadays, you got those headphones. You can use those headphones in a very popular way and in a very convenient way. That If there's information that's bothering you, you know, like, sometimes now I got these, they got, I got these what you call noise cancellation headphones. Anybody got those? Yeah, so if somebody's talking stuff I don't want to hear, <laughs> Those things in, man. I can go into my own world. Like, Did you hear that? No, no. What, what was that all about? Didn't, didn't, didn't catch it. See, every now and then you want to do that. Why? Because you want to sanctify yourself, not so that because you know, you're in the world. So Jesus wants you to, he wants you to engage, but he don't want you to adopt their way of thinking. And if you're still at a place where you can't be in that environment because that environment is too strong for you, then you need to come out of that environment so you can at least get to a point where you can be the Christian you, the Christ you, because nothing else is going to happen. So in closing, Colossians 2.8 says this, because and this is, I'm, I'm, I'm getting out of here with this. It says, be aware, lest anyone cheat you through vain philosophy and empty deceit. According to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to Christ. Now, the world packages things up in a way that makes it look really pretty. The world is attractive. The world I mean, no, Satan is a master deceiver. He know how to make stuff, put stuff together, put a bow on it, and he'll make it look pretty. And he know how to, he know how to get your flesh around it. He know exactly how to dress it up so you'd be like, oh, that's what the devil does. And so there's a, there's a philosophy that is anti-God. So he says, beware. Don't let, don't let nobody cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit. Don't let nobody deceive you. Don't embrace a world's view because the world's view is fleeting, it's passing away. We've already established that. He says we need to follow the basic principles according to Christ. In other words, you need to keep a heavenly focus. So I want to encourage you today. We're Christians. We're Christians. And if you say that you are a Christian, if you say, Pastor, I'm a Christian, I'm a, I'm a believer, then one question I got for you is, have you embraced the biblical worldview? In other words, have you made this the master of your life, the blueprint for your life? Or are you in opposition against this? And as I said before, we can't be like, well, I like this part, I don't like that part. Well, you know, pick and choose. Either this book is all the word of God or it's not. So I'm going to get a Christian worldview by getting into this. And I'm going to get a Christian worldview by staying in this book and executing the things of God. And we'll be forever changed. And Jesus will be glorified. And you know what? You'll be a happy disciple. You will be most happy as you find your delight in him. Trust me. Every head is bowed, every eye is closed.